Let's pray. God, may you grant us wisdom and courage as we read and interpret your text. May you speak to us through it. And may we have the courage to be doers of your word, not just hearers of it. Amen. So the next few weeks, I'm going to be telling you things that you're going to hear me say a thousand times over the next 10 to 12 to 25 years that I'm your pastor. And one of those things is this, participation over perfection. So if I say to you, hey, I need you to volunteer to do this thing, and you're like, yeah, but I don't know, I don't really know the Bible. No, participation over perfection. Participate. Participation over perfection. I don't know that participation is more valuable than perfection, but I do know that participation helps lead to perfection, right? Any teachers? Any coaches? Any musicians? Anybody who's ever taken a math class in your entire life and had homework that you hated? (laughs) Practice, 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 right? Participate, participate, participate. That leads you to getting where you want to go. Jesus, this text that we just had read to us, it's him participating. It's him being involved in what's happening. It's him trying to teach and and show, like, there are these rules, but the rules are something that lead us to God, not that keep us from God. I want to read another passage to you. This comes from Matthew chapter 5. This is part of um, a famous sermon of Jesus, and uh, it's where we get the Beatitudes. If anybody knows that word, the Beatitudes, it's where we get the Sermon on the Mount. If you know any of that, it's just a series of sayings that Jesus had that were condensed down so that we have a sermon made of them. This comes from starting with verse 43 of chapter 5 of Matthew. You've heard it said that you shall love your neighbor and hate your enemies. We have heard that said, right? I mean, that is something we literally have basically heard said. But I say to you, love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you so that you may be children of your Father in heaven. For he makes his sun rise on the evil and on the good, and sends rain on the righteous and on the unrighteous. For if you love those who love you, what reward do you have? Do not even tax collectors do the same? And if you greet only your brothers and sisters, what more are you doing than others? Even the Gentiles do that. Be perfect, therefore, as your heavenly Father is perfect. Be perfect. Amen. We can go home. <laughs> how, how difficult would that be? If that's the end, right? If, if that's what Jesus said to us, be perfect. Don't screw up. No mistakes. Two plus two always equals four. Pi is always... Somebody tell me what that number means. That's always that number. What if that were it? Like, that's how we had to live a perfect life. In fact, if we take the Bible seriously, and we take the words of Jesus seriously, that is the command. Jesus didn't say, hey, I suggest that you be perfect. It's a good idea if you tried to be perfect. It's a command. Be perfect. So how do we become perfect? We participate. We practice. We let the Holy Spirit mold us. But I need to define perfection for you. Because 
Otherwise, you won't know what I'm talking about. There's, there's a Hebrew Jewish idea of perfection that's like this. I'm going to tell you a story. I'm not a great storyteller, but I love telling stories anyway. There was a little girl who was about eight, eight and a half years old, something like that. She lives out off in the North Valley. And they had a pretty large yard, her mom and dad, and, and she did. And, and uh, it was like mid-August, about 103 degrees. And um, they had some stuff to get done in the yard. And so the mom and dad were out working in the yard. And the little girl went out to help. And she was planting flowers. And by planting flowers, I mean making mud pies. She was playing in the mud, and she had dirt all up on her arms, and she had sweated some, and her face itched, and so she had some dirt on her face, and she just looked absolutely adorable. And she noticed that her dad had kind of started messing around with this old pickup out behind their house that had been her granddad's, and she just adored her granddad, and she thought her dad was an amazing guy too, so she decided, I'm going to go help him instead of planting flowers. So she goes back to where her dad is, and she says, hey, daddy, can I help you? And he says, of course you can help. Actually, you really could help me. I need, it'll it'll go faster if you could hand me some of the tools I'm asking for. So it's like I'm a surgeon and and I'm going to say a tool and you hand me the tool and I'm going to work with it and I'll hand it back to you. So right now I need the half inch box end wrench. So she reaches down and she starts digging through and and she comes up with a pair of pliers. And he goes, hey, that's a good try, but I need the half inch box end wrench. So she starts digging around, and he's thinking, oh, this isn't going to work. She gives him a Phillips head screwdriver. So he starts thinking, like, okay, she's going to get discouraged. I've got to give her something that she can do, right, that she can, that will really help me. And he sees sweat drip off his nose as he's looking down, and he says, hey, I'm really hot and thirsty. Will you go in the house, find the biggest cup you can, Fill that thing up with ice and water and bring it out here to me because I'm hot and I'm thirsty, and that would be a huge help to me. So she goes into the house all excited, and she realizes she can neither reach the big cups in the cabinet nor the ice in the freezer. So she grabs a chair from the kitchen table. She drags it across the floor. You know that sound, that kind of sound when chairs are sliding? She puts it in front of the cabinet, she opens it, reaches up and gets, you know, the big plastic cups that you get to keep at restaurants sometimes? She gets one of those. And then she slides the chair in front of the freezer, opens the door, reaches up into the ice and starts scooping ice into the cup. Remember the mud pies? So she's putting it, you got it, all right. (laughs) She starts putting ice into the cup. She goes over to the sink turns on the faucet, fills the thing up with water, and it gets kind of heavy for her, and it's, it's big and cumbersome. and So she carries it out to her dad with one hand under it and one hand on top, and she's holding it like that, and her fingers are down in the water getting clean. <laughs> and she hands the cup to her dad, and he looks at it, and he remembers the uh, organic fertilizer that they put in the garden bed. You know what kind I'm talking about? He looks down and he sees some like dirt and some other things floating around. He takes the biggest drink you can imagine. You can you can see his Adam's apple just bobbing up and down. He puts the cup down and he says, "Sweetheart, that was perfect. Be perfect as your Father in heaven is perfect." 
God will take the best that we can offer with its floaties and manure and who knows what mixed in with it and make it perfect. We cannot allow ourselves to be paralyzed by the fear of making a mistake. In fact, God, in the book of Leviticus, gives us a bunch of rules, right? I'm going to read some of them to you. This is like the greatest hits, really. Everybody is dying to hear a sermon from Leviticus, I know. (laughs) In fact, Leviticus 19 is called the Holiness Code. The Holiness Code, like this is how you are to be holy. And don't screw this up, by the way. This is where we get the idea, hey, anybody in here have tattoos? This is going to be your favorite one, right? (laughs) This is the one that says, don't you get a tattoo? Anybody in here ever had sideburns? Oh, yeah, you're going to love this one because it says, don't cut your sideburns off. It says all kinds of stuff like that through there. But I want to read to you the beginning of it. This is the holiness code. And here's the other part that you have to know. Rabbis oftentimes will tell their par- tell children's parents and, and the, the leaders of the synagogue, before you teach anything else from the Hebrew Bible, teach Leviticus. What? I would think it would be like Psalm 23. Maybe love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. Love your neighbor. Like some of that stuff. Not Leviticus. Because listen. The Lord spoke to Moses saying, Speak to all the congregation of the people of Israel and say to them, You shall be holy. For I, the Lord your God, am holy. That word holy is kadush. Kadush, holy. You shall be kadush because I am kadush. You shall each revere your mother and father. Not just like them. Revere them. And you shall keep my Sabbaths. I'm the Lord your God. Do not turn to idols or make cast images for yourselves. I am the Lord your God. You shall not steal. You shall not deal falsely. Lie to one another. You shouldn't defraud your neighbor. Don't keep for yourselves the wages of your laborers until tomorrow. Don't render an unjust judgment. Don't be partial to the poor, but don't defer to the great. Don't hate in your heart any one of your kin. You shall reprove your neighbor, or you will incur guilt yourself. If your neighbor screws up, you're going to incur the guilt if you don't reprove. I mean, come on. And on top of that, no tattoos. On top of that, you have to eat your steaks well done. No blood left in any kind of meat. You're going to be eating people. This is what the rabbis want taught first. Kadush, holy. But here's why. God is saying in Leviticus 19, and this is revolutionary, this book, by the way, is revolutionary. God is saying, I have given you every tool necessary to bring more holiness onto this planet that I've created and am creating, and you are with me in this. All the tools you need. You can tilt the world by living a holy life. Every detail of your life matters. And there's so much grace and so much love that when you mess up a little, 
or maybe even a lot, if your intentions are pure, I will make it perfect. That's our God. That's our Father. That's Kadush. Have you ever experienced holiness? I know you have. Because you're people who participate. You don't just come to church and hear something and then walk out and be like, all right, where are we eating? I mean, you might do that too. (laughs) By the way, where are we eating? (laughs) But you're people who seek God. And you long for holy moments and you long for the world to be a better place and you long for the difficulties that you experience to be helped. And you long to help people who are experiencing difficult things. Because sometimes I don't have enough, but you know what? Y'all have enough. And we together are a community that loves holiness. Let me tell you of two holy moments that I've experienced in my life that just like, anytime somebody says holy, I think of this. One was I was honored to get to be in the room with my grandfather and grandmother when she died. They'd been married for 60, I don't know, 66, 67 years, something like that. They were old and had been married a long time. And he kneeled down next to her bed and was holding her hand. And I'll never, ever, as long as I live, forget this. He looked at her face and he said, We sure have had some fun, haven't we? And she said this. She finished the name of God. And in that moment, there was so much Spirit of God in the room that I I almost couldn't take it. I didn't know whether I was grieving or in the midst of joy, and all of it together was amazing, and it was holy, it was kadush. The other was last September. I was with my dad. You'll get to meet him next week. They're planning on coming to church here. They're moving to Las Cruces, and I think... I hope they like the preacher here. (laughs) But I tell too many stories about him, so maybe not. Anyway, my dad and I were elk. He was elk hunting. I was following him around. Basically, I was his pack mule. And we were tired. We'd been hunting for a week, and I was pushing him. I'm kind of a driven person when it comes to that sort of thing. My legs and back were sore, so I know his were. And in the middle of a hunt, like we were actually in pursuit of animals, in the middle of that, he goes, hey, I'm hungry. You want to eat a candy bar or something? Fine, whatever. This is your hunt. I'm not paying for it. So we sit down, start eating. He goes, hey, you want to take some selfies? I'm like, what? <laughs> I, I mean, I'm a, I'm a young, middle-aged guy. You're about to retire. Selfies? What is going on? He goes, yeah, you got your phone, I got mine. So my dad and I, in the middle of nowhere, in the middle of an elk hunt, start taking selfies together. And then he goes, hey, I got an idea. I'm going to go pose right over there, and you take a picture of me. I was like, all right. So he does it, and then he goes, all right, your turn. What are you going to do? It's just like so weird and out of nowhere and goofy and perfect. Kadoosh was one of those moments that I'll never forget, partly because I have the pictures to remind me. (laughs) 
but I just sensed like things are right right now. This is right. You ever, you've experienced that. It could be when a child is born. It could be when you watch somebody do something and you can just tell that they love doing it. It could be whatever. We experience those moments all the time. But the thing is, God gives us the tools to make more of it. If you think the world is broken, God has given us the tools to change it. If you're having difficulty in your life, God has given us the tools to make it a little easier. It's in the details that we tilt the world toward holiness. And it's revolutionary because guess what? Every time you read a self-help book, every time that you meet with a personal trainer, every time that you talk to somebody about trying to help you lose some weight of some sort, they tell you what? It's the details. It's all in the details. They're just robbing Leviticus. It's revolutionary. Really, it's changing things. It's all in the details. My prayer is that Morning Star United Methodist Church in Las Cruces, New Mexico would pay so close attention to what is happening around us and experience so much holiness and bring so much joy and holiness that we would change the Messiah Valley. That we would see new disciples of Jesus Christ that transform the world. Because it's real, it can happen. God has given us the tools. And my prayer is that we would be people who pay attention to the details. And who participate. And who are freed by the grace of God to make mistakes. And that we know that God will take the best that we have and say, this is perfect just like that giant drink of water. In the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Amen.